You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, the official podcast of the Coastal LA Singles Ministry, where our focus is reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out. Let's give it up for uh, the Oreo game and Zahid. So if, if you guys didn't know, Adrian over there represents South Bay 1, the, uh, the final showdown. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought it was a great game. I still have crumbs in my eye and stuff. You know, like, that game wasn't meant for everybody. But uh, my name is Chukai Koku, representing the West Side. And uh, I'm, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, honored to, uh, I'm honored to share a few scriptures on, on the lesson tonight. Uh, I'm tag teaming with Mr. Ken Chow over there, backing me up. So, uh, so yeah, I was, I was really excited about the lesson until I found out that it was on contentment. And, uh, I mean, I wasn't content with the, the, the topic contentment because, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm naturally not a content person. Uh, you know, ever since I was little, uh, my parents were in town from Nigeria the other day and they, they were just, you know, t- sharing, spilling the beans. Uh, and they said, you know, when Chuka was little, he always wanted the better version of everything. Uh, and I can recall that, uh, you know, I, so I grew up in Nigeria and I went to boarding school. And whenever we went to school, we always took, we call them provisions, like milk, cornflakes, all that good stuff. But I always got the local brands, but I never wanted the local brands. I wanted the American or the British brands. So, uh, you know, so uh, you, you guys all know of Kellogg's, right? Yeah. Kellogg's, okay. Who's heard of NASCO? <laughs> okay, we got one person over there, you know, probably from, yeah. So, so NASCO, um, if you don't know about NASCO, if you put the cornflakes in the milk, it gets soggy immediately. Uh, whereas Kellogg's retains the crunchiness for a while, you know what I'm saying? So who, who wouldn't want Kellogg's over NASCO? Anyway, so um, I, my parents you know, I was not content with the provisions they got me. Uh, and that's, that's a trend that would stay with me up until adulthood. Um, and even as a disciple, that, that's something that's still, you know, that I still wrestle with till this day. So I thought this was a great uh, example or a great opportunity to learn more about contentment, to study it out to see what the scriptures have to say about it, um, and to share that stuff with you guys. So if you would stick with me for the next 8 to 10 minutes, we'll, we'll dive right in. All right. So uh, actually, when you guys think of contentment, what are a few words that come to mind? Just peace, patience, surrender. Someone said patience again. Happy, satisfaction. Lena, was it? I thought I heard a word. Uh, I heard gratitude as well. Surrender. Okay, awesome. So uh, when we look at the Merriam-Webster definition, it says contentment is a state of happiness and satisfaction. And we heard both those words, which I think is great. So the question I'll ask you guys is, are you content? Like, are you just content in general? And then if we get more specific, are you content with specific things about your life? So there, there are a few, there are a few that I, I, you know, that just came to mind off the top. And, uh, let's see, health, like, are you all content with the current state of your health? Are you content with your walk with God? That's a, that's another big one. What about your family? Not your Christian family, your spiritual family, your, your physical family. Uh, I've heard the saying before that you don't get to choose your family. Uh, it's, an, it's like, an, I've heard it several times since I've been here. Uh, but what about work? Like your jobs? Like, are you guys content with the jobs that you have? And then last but not the least, 
And this one I left there on purpose. I put it last on purpose. Are you content with your dating life? You don't, you don't have to answer, please. Don't answer that question. Cause I don't want, I already know what the answer is expected. <laughs> but, um, but, but so you, usually when it comes to, uh, when it comes to ser- several virtues, I like to think of people in the Bible. I like to think of people in the Bible that exemplify whatever it is that we're studying, but also people who do not exemplify. Cause I, it always helps me to see both sides of the coin and see how people in the Bible that you know, scriptures talked about wrestled with these things. And uh, for some interesting reason, the first person I could think of was this guy. Who knows who this guy is? Yeah. <laughs> it could be Simon Peter, though. No, it's not Simon Peter. It's Simon the Sorcerer. Um, so Simon the Sorcerer, interestingly, we only know of the, the few scriptures written about him, but I, I studied this guy quite a bit. And uh, it, it seems like so he was a sorcerer, and he was an actual sorcerer. And you, you guys will see in the scripture that we read next. Um, and it's said that he could actually levitate at will. Like he wowed the people with his, his you know, his tricks, which probably came from the, uh, from the dark powers, you know. But he's someone who I see that even upon receiving discipleship, there was a lack of contentment. So, um, so let's dive in. Turn to Acts 8-9, or you could just read from the screen as well. So it says, Simon the sorcerer. Now for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, this man is rightly called the great power of God. He's called the great power of God. Can you imagine? And then uh, it says they followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip, when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles that he saw. Uh, and then if we skip to verse 18, it says, When Simon saw the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. So when you think about this, Simon, Simon had this thing going. Just imagine you have a great life before you become a disciple. Uh, you have a great job. Whatever it is that, you know, the world says is satisfactory, you have. And then you get this thing greater that is discipleship. But there's still something you want almost to the point of jeopardizing your walk with God. So when you guys think of your lives, what, what are those things? Like, what, what are things that you've become a disciple and we've gotten this incredible gift of the Holy Spirit, but we still want to, there's something that we're willing to pay for spiritually, with our spiritual resource to get. Uh, in, in Simon's case, it was the, the, the special power gift Holy Spirit thing where they could heal people and that was it because he wanted to keep doing this thing and amazing people. I don't actually know if he made money off of it, but it said he amazed them for a long time. So that was one, one thing that defined him. Uh, for you, what, what can that thing be? Uh, and if it's not obvious, have you thought about what that thing can be? I think for me, in 2017, I lost a friend. Um, you know, she died of a, of a just out of nowhere heart attack. And I didn't see it coming. You know, and I had been a disciple at the time for 16 years. 
and uh, nothing had hit me as hard. That was the hardest thing that hit me uh, in my whole time as a disciple. And, um, and I, you know, when I became a disciple, I didn't think, I didn't anticipate that that sort of thing could hit so hard, uh, but it did. Uh, and I had to really wrestle and realize that for me, death is something that can take my contentment away, that I have to be vigilant about. And uh, one thing I want to specify here is that there's nothing wrong with wanting, to ha- with having desires, right? There's nothing wrong with wanting to date or get married. There's nothing wrong with wanting a good job that you enjoy. Uh, there's nothing wrong with, like, wanting good health. Uh, and Oscar and I joked about this, like, not, not so long so, so, so my, my homie Tiffany made a great point. Being content is not wanting what you have. Tiffany, can you define it again? Like, not wanting what you have, but... Sorry, not having what you want, but wanting what you have, something like that. And uh, I joke to myself, like, who wants chronic illness? <laughs> like, you know, th- th- there are things people don't want, you know, and, and it's fair. But the, the, the question is, is that a contingency for your Christian walk? Is that something that will change how you feel about the walk, the, the relationship with God that you have? So um, let's look at someone in the Bible that we all know who kind of unlocked the secret of contentment. Um, and that is Mr. Paul here. So, um, so let's look, read Philippians 4.11. Uh, Paul, who supposedly unlocked the secret of true contentment. So it says in Philippians 4.11, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So we've heard this before. Uh, I believe you know, Tiffany shared it earlier as well. Um, and it's probably the most popular contentment scripture that there is. It was the first one that came to mind for me, certainly. So, uh, so basically, he said that he learned to be content in every situation. Um, and the secret essentially is in God, God who gives us strength. Uh, we don't, I personally believe that we don't have the natural ability to just withstand every challenge life can throw at us. I know some people who are super peaceful. It takes a lot to break them. And then those people broke. That, because everyone has a boiling point. Everyone, we're human, and everyone has something that, at the end of the day, will push him to the edge and push him to the limit. So it's not going to be on, it will never be on our own strength that we will overcome anything that Satan can throw at us. Uh, and, and Paul showed that. You know, Paul, Paul went through most things most people would not want to go through. And I'm pretty sure he had, in fact, he, he had, you guys remember the thorn in his flesh that he asked to be taken away? Uh, he, he, he said several times, I asked for this thorn to be taken away, and it wasn't. So even Paul himself had desires. Like, he, he, he maybe not, didn't want to get married like a lot of us, but he wanted, he, he wanted something that he had to be taken away, and it wasn't. But that didn't change him from being content. Um, one thing that I realized also is that if you go back to when you studied the Bible, uh, how many of you told yourselves that no matter what happens, you will never fall away. Okay. All right. Awesome. Okay. So I see some hands. I don't see all hands. <laughs> but, but amen, we're going to fix that tonight. We're going to fix that tonight. So you guys, you guys know the Disney sing-along songs, right? You know where you see like the little Mickey Mouse thing bouncing the... All right. So uh, we're going to do something similar. We're not going to sing, though. Uh, but we are going to read in unison. So I have this statement here that I just, you know, I kind of put it together based on the question I just asked. And um, I will ask one thing. Th- this reading, 
We're going to read it together at once, at the same time. But don't read it if you don't mean it. If, if you don't mean these words, do not say them. Ecclesiastes says, God's in heaven, let your words be few. Don't say things that you don't mean if this being said towards him. So uh, on the count of three, we're going to read together, slowly but surely, uh, and then we'll read to the end. All right? You guys ready? All right, cool. Remember, don't say it if you don't mean it. Okay, so one, two, three. I will always be content with my relationship with Christ no matter what. Amen. Give yourselves a round of applause. But it's a big saying. That, I, I don't like the part that says no matter what because it says no matter what. What, what, what is what? Anything. Death, being single forever, you know, God forbid, but yeah. Uh, being broke as a joke, you know. Any, anything, that, anything that you just don't want, that's that word right there. Um, and it doesn't mean that you shouldn't desire it again. Like, delight in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Uh, we work, it's okay to have desires and to fight for them. But it's, it's, according to this saying, it's not okay for that to be a contingency. Something that if you don't get, you're, you're going to sell your walk with God for. Um, and I think that's the ultimate takeaway there. So just a quick bonus, a couple of scriptures that I want to close this out with um, before passing off to Ken. Hebrews 13.5, it says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God said, God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So God has promised us that he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. And my encouragement to you guys is to flip that script. Also, we will never leave God. We will never forsake him. Amen? All right, and I got us a bonus here, just to encourage those of us who have desires, because I have desires for sure. You know, like, I, I, my, the, the thing about me not being content hasn't changed. I still want the better version of everything, but it's not going to cost me my walk with God. But, you know, like, I, the, the encouragement here is to seek God's kingdom because he's going to give us whatever it is that we're seeking for. As long as it won't cost us, I'll walk with him. So Matthew 6.31, So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. So thank you guys so much for letting me share and I will hand off to Ken at this point. Oh, it's great to be with the singles. Lena yeah. and I uh, transitioned back into the singles ministry, so we oversee the West Side Singles, which we're really excited about. So before we get started, I want to get uh, Christian Cordova to stand on up. I want to w- welcome Christian back. Yeah. Christian, how long were you gone? Uh, yeah, Christian was, uh, she's in the National Guard. No. Uh, reserve, reserve. And he was deployed for a year on Japan. So we want to thank you for your service, man. Just welcome back. So it's great being back in the singles. I do want to shout out to our daughter, Elizabeth, as well. So Elizabeth is in the singles ministry. I got to tell you a funny story. When she went to college up in Pepperdine, and she thought she was getting away from our family a little bit, go off to college to uh, to go to school, but... Right after that, I got a scholarship at Pepperdine, so I followed her to school. So I made a deal with Elizabeth saying that if I see you on campus, I'm going to walk around you. And if you ignore your dad, I am perfectly fine with that as well. So I appreciate my daughter Elizabeth so much. So 
she goes to Bolivia, hide, hit out for about a year. She comes back into the singles ministry, and here we are following her into the singles ministry. Talk about cramping your style. Talking about cramping your style. And I really appreciate my daughter. She's got such a great spirit about her. But uh, she's already planning. Uh, maybe she's going to be moving away here. So I don't blame you, Elizabeth. Love you a ton, honey. So you can do whatever you need to do to get away from mom and dad. I appreciate Chuka. Chuka talked a lot about being content in terms of, I know the Bible talks a lot about contentment in terms of the material realm. And that's true. Because the world is changing. You know, if you look at history, even about 250 years ago, you look at the founding fathers. And even though they were theists and even though they were atheists and all that stuff, back then, really what counted in terms of character and someone's, you know, just really their, their character counted more than anything else. So if you look at uh, like uh, guys like George Washington and Benjamin Franklin, that's what they talked about. They talked about character. Somewhere along the line in history, we moved from the definition of character as something that we strive for to things and the aggrandizement of things and the accruement of things. And I really appreciate what the Bible talks about in terms of being content with what we have. I have one point today, and I want to talk about another area of contentment that is really crucial in order for us to really make it in this world today. The world is changing really fast, and how we reach out to people is really, uh, really, I, th- I think it's something that we need to talk about as well. Last night I had a chance to go to an iftar. You guys know what that is? So today is the third day of Ramadan. And uh, last night was the second day of fasting for these Muslims. And I joined them in one of their dinners as they broke their fast. And I did that for a reason. I did that because I wanted to enter their world. And not just for them to come into our services. I want to go and see what they do. And I want to participate. Now, as some of you guys are sitting there probably thinking, no, they know exactly what I believe in. It's not like they're not, they're not going to convert me anytime soon. Nor do I think I'm going to convert them anytime soon as well. But it was a sharing of a meal together, and it was a start of understanding each other more, getting into their world. And this guy's name is John, and it was really cool. It was about 30 Muslims from Turkey. And uh, they, uh, they, uh, I learned a lot, and it's really convicting, actually. It's a 30-day fast. And the reason why they fast is to get to know God better, to cleanse themselves from things, and it, the goal is not to see what they lack, but the fast itself is to see what they have. It's pretty amazing. And I think there's something to be learned there in terms of really learning from other people's faith without losing our own faith. Amen? But really learning from them as well. I have one point today. And that uh, that theme is pretty much, you know, what Tiffany shared and what Chuka shared about as well. And that is contentment without wrestling is transient. Okay. Contentment without wrestling is transit. We live in a world where it's complicated, guys, today. It is. I'm reading a book now. It's, I'm just starting, but I read the synopsis. It's by a philosopher named Charles Taylor. And uh, he wrote a book called, you know, The Secular Age. And he's talking about how complicated the world is today. I also saw uh, something from, uh, you know, uh, a series that I saw. Four futurists were, were, were talking about this current age, and they said, we don't have a clue what's going to happen. 
If you were to ask us, it was a panel of four people, if you were to ask us what's going to happen, they were sitting in the year 1200 A.D. And if you were to ask us what's going to happen in 1300 A.D., nothing. Nothing's going to happen. The world remain the same. But if you were to ask us from now, 2018, so what's going to happen at the end of this this century, they say we have no clue what's going to happen because the world is changing so fast. And Charles Taylor, this philosopher from uh, Canada, he's born in Montreal, he said this, he, he said this incredible, he laid out this incredible story of change. And he said it really started in the 1500s. Up until the 1500s, things pretty much remained the same. You have a, you have a hierarchical order of things. You have God, you have the Pope, you have the kings, you have human beings, and you have animals. That's the order of things. But something happened in 1517. I'm going to give you a little quiz here. What happened that changed that order in 1517? Anybody know what happened in 1517? It was, you want to stand up and say it? You got it right. Yeah, well, it was Luther. Luther penned the 95 Thesis, and he destroyed the Pope. He basically knocked out the Pope, and then from then on, it was, they knocked out God as well, so it freed up things for people, and he knocked out the Pope. So the order of things changed. Let me give you another date. 1543, what happened during that time that was really monumental as well? Anybody? Take a guess. It's, it's not easy, so I get it. What happened in 1543? The New World? In a sense, Copernicus came along. And he said something that shocked the world. What did he say? He said that the earth was not the center of the world. He was wrong. He said that the sun was. But he was right in a sense that the sun was the center of our solar system, but the sun is only a glimp of, of what was in the universe. But yet that was monumental as well. Shook everything up. Another thing happened. In 1789, what do you think happened then? The French Revolution, right? The French Revolution that came along, what did that do in terms of that hierarchical order? It knocked the kings out, right? So you got God was knocked out, the Pope was knocked out, the kings were knocked out, and you had two things left, human beings and the animals, right? So we became, we came into an, a, an age where humans were romanticized and how great humans were. And then another thing came along in 1859. What do you think happened there that changed the order of things as well? That was Darwinism, right? Darwin came along and said, well, man, it's not really that great. He's just an animal himself. So all these ideas and all these thoughts came along and changed the worldview of people. Okay. What about our age today? Historian compared our age to, they said this is monumental. This is, this is even greater than what the, the, the industrial revolution. We live in an age where the internet speed of information. We know more things now than we've ever known combined. The first email was sent out in 1971 and it hasn't stopped since then. So we live in a world where things are changing fast. Walls are being broken down. Why do people want to build walls? Because they're being broken down. And we're getting closer to one another. Lena and I spent 15 years on an admission field. Guess what? We don't even have to do that anymore. People are coming here 
to the mission field here in L.A. We live in one of the most diverse cities in the world. Not only in the world, but in the history of mankind. It poses some exciting challenges, but it poses a lot of challenges, some really terrible uh, challenges as well, because we have to adapt to all these things. And my point is this, that as we learn how to navigate through this world, if we don't learn contentment with the way we struggle, it's only transient because we're going to find contentment and it's very fleeting. Okay? And we're going to learn this through, i got five minutes to go here, we're going to learn this through the book of Habakkuk. Okay? This is one of my favorite books in the Bible. It's only like three chapters. Okay? But in those three chapters, you see Habakkuk wrestle with God. He wasn't just content because he just sat there and thought about nice things. He wrestled with God. I appreciate what Tiffany did. Came up and says, things aren't going that well. I have to wrestle things through in my life. And you read these passages from Habakkuk, and you got to understand the story behind it. What's going on here? He's getting ready for the Babylonians to come in and invade his country. Turn his world upside down. That God would actually allow these barbarians, the Babylonians, to come in. Ruthless, ruthless people to take over his country. And he wrestled. If you read chapter 1, you read chapter 2. And here's the amazing thing about God. What does God do with Habakkuk? He allows him to wrestle. You know, we serve a God that allows us to wrestle with him. And I want to ask you a question today. I know that we have a great fellowship. I look around, we have great friendship in here. But when things come up in our hearts, do we wrestle with God? Do we wrestle with the scriptures? How well do we know the scriptures? How, do, how well are we equipped to use the scripture to really help us go through these things? Habakkuk did. He wrestled with God and his, this is his conclusion spiritually. He says, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. And yet I will wait patiently on the day of calamity to come on a nation invading us. Here's what I think is our great challenge right now in this world. I think our challenge is to rely more on God than ever before. You are bombarded with information. I remember as a kid, my dream was to have an Encyclopedia Botanica set. Remember that? It was like 24 set volume. It was like $1,000. Now all you need is an internet connection. You can Google pretty much anything. Okay, with that much information, it comes with a lot of responsibility as well. When I was preaching back then on the day when I first became a minister, no one knew what I was talking about. But now I'm preaching and people fact check me right on the spot. I gotta be super, super careful what I say. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing. But I appreciate Habakkuk. He wrestled with the source. He wrestled with God. Though the fig tree does not bud, 
Though there are no brothers in my Bible talk, no grapes on the vine. Though the olive crop fails and the field produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, there are no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in what? In just a good feeling? In my discipline of thoughts? In God my Savior. I don't have time to go through that, but here's my challenge. How did Habakkuk, facing this monumental change that is coming his way, how did he come to this conclusion? How did he get to this point? Isn't that amazing? The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of the deer. He enables me to tread on the heights, Habakkuk said. I want to encourage us today. The problems that God allows for us to face, the challenges that are in our lives, either it breaks us or if we allow God to help us, it will lead us into new heights. Amen? Amen. So contentment must come with wrestling. Let's wrestle with God and let's go on the new heights that God wants us to have. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful to you. God, we read scriptures and you allow us to see people who wrestled in their faith, to be content in you. God, help us to do the same thing, God, because they were models for us. Help us to really believe that when we run to you, when we rely on your words, when we pray to you, that there is a peace that transcends all understanding. Thank you so much for every single brother and sister here, all the battles that they go through, all the hardships that they've gone through over the years. And God, I I pray for a blessing for them, that you help them to see you better. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great fellowship, everybody. You've just listened to the Elevate Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit elevatecoastal.com.